Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning, Orlando. Um, I thought you were going to introduce me as your partner in crime because the topic today is crime. Everybody knows you're my partner in crime. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about crime. We did that a couple of weeks ago, but it's an important issue uh, in many urban areas of Texas, particularly in Harris County, giving, given some of the decisions by the Harris County Commissioner's Court. And so we're going to talk about that uh, issue because I think it's important to many communities in Houston and uh, bring you up to date about what's going on potentially in the Texas legislature. Uh, and so we have two excellent guests today. Um, to my right and I guess your left on the screen is an old friend of mine who used to work for the, and still does, uh, not full-time, uh, a Harris County prosecutor, has spent many years in the district attorney's office of Harris County. His name is Julian Ramirez. Uh, Julian is, uh, has tremendous experience as a felony prosecutor in Harris County. And also joining us online this morning via her office is Irene Villarreal. Irene is a bail bondswoman in Houston, has been, in Harris County, has been for many years. She owns three Amigos uh, bonding company. And so Irene, can you hear us? If you can, good morning. Good morning. I can hear you. Well, great. It's great to have you. I'm glad you're joining us. So uh, we're going to jump right into the program and talk about crime in Harris County. Everybody knows since 2018, there's been a steep rise in crime and particularly violent crime. And of course, violent crime is usually looked at, Julian, as the ultimate violent crime is homicides, right? And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, but one of the reasons exacerbating this whole debate is the modifications that have been made in the bail bond system of Harris County. Now, before we get into that, I want to give you a little background. First of all, the penal code of the state of Texas is the people's penal code. This is what collectively the, 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 the 40 million Texans have decided through their elected representatives that they send to uh, Austin, Texas, to create a penal code. That is, if you violate any section of the penal code, you're charged with a violation of that penal code. That's the charge that's brought against you, whether it's burglary or whether it's hot check writing or whether it's uh, shoplifting or whether it's homicide or you know, whether it's aggravated assault. There's, there's a whole list of penal code violations. You will be arrested, you will be charged you will be booked into typically the Harris County Jail. If I'm wrong with any of this, Julian, jump in and correct me. All right. And then you will appear before a judge. Uh, in many cases now, uh, you will appear before a magistrate who does a lot of things. First of all, uh, as I understand, Julian, there's, they find out if there's probable cause to charge you with uh, the charge, and then they will even set a, a bail or a bond. In the old days, uh, you, you said before there was the change from the Republican, more conservative judges to the, now the more liberal, left-leaning Democrats, that most judges in Harris County were the ones that set the bond for the defendant, the accused. Actually, in the old days, Orlando, um, most of the judges would, would tell the magistrates, listen, I want to be the one to evaluate PR bonds, the personal recognizance bonds. Explain uh, and so to us send, the send that to me. Yeah. Well, uh, with a regular bail bond, um, the individual has to put up the, uh, the money or go through a surety uh, it, who will assist in putting up the bond. Uh, in certain instances, uh, the legislature has provided for personal bonds uh, to be an option, and um, those are ones in which the uh, the accused is considered a, a good risk, uh, and for certain types of offenses, then they can be approved to get out of jail without having to put up any money at all, right? So just on their personal word or bond that they will appear back in court, they are released. And those are what we call PR bonds. That's personal correct. Personal recognizance. That's correct. And they typically are for <clears throat> low-level crimes, like shoplifting or, let's say, you know, maybe uh, public intoxication or one of those minor charges. They, they can be for, for misdemeanors and felonies. But one of the issues that we've been seeing most recently is it seems that more of those PR bonds are being granted for people charged with violent crimes. Wow. And that's what, uh, you know, the community is, like, pretty much... Uh, concerning about it because we're being seen that these people are getting out of bonds 
And I hear from people experience that now it's easier than before to take somebody out of jail. So I don't know if that um, helped to increase the crime because that's the, the, the biggest concern of the community is like, a, it's so easy to get out of jail. They commit a crime and they are doing it because they can get away. Well, it, it does seem, and people are becoming more aware of uh, these instances where people have got out on PR bonds or low bonds and turned right around and, and committed violent crimes or other you know, property crimes that uh, tend to affect a lot of people as well. And we're so, going gonna to talk a little bit about the property crimes. I'm sorry, Andrea. Yeah, no, I, I want to I wanna bring Irene on, on this topic because she is yeah, like... Yeah, we will in just a second, but going back to the, to the history so people know... The, pe the penal code is there because, you know, society wants an orderly, nonviolent, you know, community, a society, right? So when people violate the penal code, you're charged. And, and if a jury of your peers or the judge, if you have a bench trial, uh, you know, will will issue punishment. And, and the whole criminal justice system is to try to, you know, there's retribution involved, there's punishment involved, and, of course, if you go to incarceration, then hopefully there's rehabilitation. That's essentially the structure of the criminal justice system as it relates to crimes in the state of Texas and most states. So as Andrea was saying, you know, uh, and, and, and Julian just talked about, uh, a surety or a bail bonds company that most people, let's just say if you're charged or I'm charged with, let's say a violent crime, I go to a Pizza Hut or a Domino's Pizza and I, I'm wielding a shotgun and I demand the cash in the register, that's that's an aggravated robbery. I mean, there's a difference, right? So it's aggravated because I have a weapon now. And that's a that's a felony violation and I probably will be uh, appearing before a, a judge in the old days and then let's say they put up they say, Okay, you can you can be released until your trial date, but you've got to put up a thirty thousand dollar bond. Well, most people don't have $30,000 sitting around, so they'll go to a bail bondsman, uh, and, and that's where the bail bond uh, industry comes in. Irene uh, Villarreal is a bail bondswoman here in uh, Harris County, owns Three Amigos Bail Bonds. So, Irene, am I somewhat structurally correct on how that process works? Oh, yes, sir, very much so. Okay, yes. good. And... and um, and so the whole reason behind that, again, and just so I can get the history out of the way, is that society wants to make sure that those that are charged with a crime and maybe are given a bond, because not everybody is given a bond, that you come back to be adjudicated, to, to have your day in court, so that society can determine whether you're guilty as charged or not guilty. And that's the whole process. And if it works well, then there's a protection for society, and there are constitutional protections for the defendant. And now, Harris County got into some trouble because some years ago, some people brought lawsuits against the Harris County bail bond system because they said it was unconstitutional. So most people in Harris County believe that the Harris County bail bond system has been declared unconstitutional by the federal courts. As I understand, that is not true. There was only one specific portion uh, that was brought before the federal courts, and that was that people were, that were being charged with minor crimes and didn't have the two, five, ten thousand dollars to post, had they were indigent, they they were languishing in the Harris County Jail, and the courts found that to be unconstitutional. That essentially, uh, the federal judge said those folks need to be granted a hearing uh, within a certain amount of time, whether it's 24 hours or 48 hours. That was the only part I understand was declared unconstitutional. But the Harris County Commissioner's Court went way beyond that. And that's why we're getting all these PR bonds, these personal recognizance bonds, $100, set by a magistrate. We don't know who the magistrates are. They're not elected. And so it's created a real problem in Harris County. Irene, is that kind of as how you understand it? Yes, it is. Okay. As a matter of fact, um, the misdemeanor judges and commissioners court deemed burglary of a vehicle a nonviolent crime. Defendants charged with a nonviolent crime receive a, 
a free, what they call a, a general office bond. Uh, they're normally $100, but you know they, they're a free bond as well. The GOB bond, the general office bond, is the worst bond that Harris County can give, in my opinion, uh, because the, the defendant doesn't see a judge or a magistrate. Uh, their prior history or any criminal history is not investigated. The defendant gets released immediately. Um, they, receive, they can receive an unlimited amount of $100 GOB bonds. 55% of these defendants do not go back to court. To they, they fail to appear. So that's, that's a real big problem. And in many cases, Irene, from what we're hearing from news reports, is because their past criminal record isn't looked at with respect to what their charge is because it's nonviolent, as you say, burglary of a motor vehicle, and we'll get a little more into that, uh, th they could be, you know, violent repeat offenders. And so these are the, 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 the stories in Harris County are replete with people charged with minor crimes that actually have committed violent crimes in the past and are out on bond on these personal recognizance bonds and commit murder. Right. Well, it leads to an escalation of crime, in my opinion, yeah. because individuals that are burglarizing cars are looking for guns. This is Texas. A lot of people carry guns in their car. Convicted felons cannot legally possess a gun, yet they, they're able to get their hands on one. And again, that is a problem. And, and they're able to get their hands on them because, as uh, we're going to watch here in a minute, Mark's going to load up a video, uh, they know where to get those guns. As Irene says, they know a lot of Texans carry firearms in their vehicles, so instead of, because they can't legally purchase a firearm, they go burglarize your car. That's now considered nonviolent. And of course, that's what Harris County is doing, issuing PR bonds right. to these criminals that are no, that, that know where to find guns. And Mark's going to run a piece that, he, uh, that we saw here recently in the news. So go ahead, Mark. A warning tonight about a new trend in stolen guns. Lots of people go to the range to fire their weapons. Now police say some folks are being followed. Chris Costa looks into what police are doing about it and what you need to do to keep your firearms safe. You've heard of jugging, right? Crooks watch from afar while you take money out of an ATM and then follow you and steal that cash. Houston police say that crime is happening more now at gun ranges and officers say they caught two men red-handed. Shooting some practice rounds at your favorite range? These guys are targeting those people. Yes, you, the target of thieves. They know where to find lots of guns in one convenient location, your car at a shooting range or gun store, following you after you leave and breaking in. They're also learning that, well, why not go for more than one gun? Compare the first four months of last year and this year. Houston police say there were 108 more car break-ins with guns stolen in 2020 than in 2019. Almost all of the guys that we're catching uh, are convicted felons. Uh, this particular vehicle was linked to another burglary firearms jugging case. In a case earlier this month, Houston police caught two men who they say are members of a criminal gang stealing guns out of a man's car at a Houston shooting range. Victor Gwynn and Michael Parker were charged with engaging in organized criminal activity. One, one less gun on the, on the street is one less victim out there. So don't leave your guns unsecured. Crooks know all the usual hiding spots under the seat or in a glove compartment or center console. That's something you have to live with that, you know, that your complacency was a factor in that. In Houston, Chris Costa, KHOU 11 News. So what we've developed is an industry uh, where folks with criminal records who are not legally able to purchase a firearm know where to get those firearms, and it's created uh, quite an industry, you know, a black market for these firearms. Uh, Julian, I mean, uh, it's you're, disturbing. You're no a prosecutor. It. Is, are we correct that this is this is a market now? Well, we've just seen the evidence that this is on the increase, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's a cause for, for concern, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, well, uh, 
And Irene, uh, these folks that are stealing these guns because they're breaking into motor vehicles, uh, what, what are you seeing? What are the bonds that are being uh, uh, attached to these, these defendants? Well, as I said before, we're not seeing much of those bonds because these people are receiving a general order bond. And so that they're just free to go a slap in the hand and they're, and they're out of jail. So I, I want, I want you guys to explain, um, the bail bond reform that it's now debated in, in Texas and, and how that's going to change the game for the community, because that's very important. So that way, because the concerns of the community is like these people are getting away, as we say the expression, they're getting away with murder. And it's so easy for them <laughs> yeah. to get out of jail. Yeah. So explain to us what is debating right now in Texas and in the House and the, and the Senate uh, about the bail bond reform. All right, Andrea, if I can uh, start with that. Um, I took a look at the, uh, the bill that the legislature is currently considering. It's House Bill 20. And uh, it's advancing, and so we have hopes that it will pass. It's a good bill. It has some very good improvements in it over the current system, uh, one of which is it would require the judges to look at the criminal histories of the people charged with uh, crimes before they set bond. It would also require judges to consider the safety of law enforcement, the community, and the victim in uh, setting the bonds. Now, this has always been the law but it, uh, it, it emphasizes it. It also would require magistrates and judges to go through training mm -hmm. on these factors and uh, the different laws that affect the setting of, uh, of bail in a case. So I think this is a very good bill. It was a casualty of the uh, Democrats fleeing at the end of the session to avoid uh, you know, voting on uh, other bills, but it has been resurrected in this second second special session and uh, will probably pass, hopefully, if the Democrats don't flee again. Julian, you, you mentioned that it, it's a reinforcement, it's a reiteration of existing law, but where in Harris County did it go wrong? I mean, in other words, if, if, if it's just a restatement of existing law that the judges need to look at the past criminal history, how did Harris County get off the rails? Well, I, I think a lot of these um, anecdotes that we hear that, that, are, that are scary, you know, people getting out committing violent crimes that have already been in jail for, for committing violent crimes is a result of judges not taking the um, safety of the community into account. Now, and I want to be careful not to paint too broad a brush here. We do have some good judges who follow the law and consider public safety. Uh, and the safety of the victim in setting bonds. However, there are others who are more concerned about um, releasing people out of jail um, and less concerned about the effect that it's having on the, the public. Yeah, and, and so that's important because, Andrea, there are consequences to elections. And, of course. Uh, you know, uh, I, I can tell you that we had, you know, pre-2018, before the Democrats swept Harris County, our violent crimes, our murder rate was really low in Harris County. And post-2018, when the Democrats came into office, and as, and as uh, Julian says, we still have some good judges. But it was a dramatic shift, a dramatic shift based on policy decisions by Harris County. And then you see the consequences of these PR bonds. So. Uh, uh, Irene, with respect to the current legislation working its way through now that the legislature is back in session because they have a quorum, you know, the, the Democrats decided to take a, a month vacation and flee to Washington and go rub elbows uh, up there. Uh, is, is the criminal justice industry the, or, or let's say the bail bond industry supportive? Are they having hearings? Are you guys going to testify? And as Julian says, House Bill 20, is that what it is? Is it, is it in your opinion, going to improve the system that we currently have in Harris County? Oh, absolutely. We have some great people uh, in uh, our association, the Professional Bondsmen of Harris County, that 
uh, spend a lot of time in Austin and are very actively involved in uh, trying to, to remedy this failed experience that they called that they call bail reform. Uh, it's a failed experiment evidenced by the increase of crime throughout the nation and in Houston, our own city. We uh, just recently we had a man that was killed over in a, in a very nice part of town, very nice restaurant, the Grotto. Uh, a New Orleans off-duty policeman was killed. Um, two weeks ago, an airman on leave was gunned down on his his father's front porch and killed. Um, a couple was uh, shot at at the aquarium in downtown Houston. One, one of them died, the other one survived. Um, a young man going home from an Astros game with his family mm -hmm. was killed. You know, random mass shootings have come to Houston mm -hmm. and we, we have got to do something about it. We've got to, to find a solution, get some common road in there and let's make this a, a safer place for the citizens of Houston. I'm a senior citizen and I'm afraid to go out at night. Mm -hmm. I won't go out at night any longer. I won't go to the gas station by myself any longer. So, you know, these are things that have changed the way that we maneuver in Houston. And the, 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 the recent changes have not been for the better. And again, as I said, we, we need to find a better way. And I know that we can. As a people, we can come together and we can find a better way. Yeah, it reminds me of the story, Irene, that uh, was really tragic and sad. A couple of months ago, there was a, a grandmother that was working out and she went to a, a, a gym at 4.30 in the morning. And mm -hmm. this was all on video. And this car pulls up and guns are down. I mean, just randomly. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, these types of crime have, have people, right. as Irene says, scared at home to go to the grocery store. And so in Harris County, the system is backwards. It seems like now the advantage is to the defendant and criminal defendants and those of us that are law-abiding, tax-paying citizens that are supporting and paying the salaries of these judges and everybody in the criminal justice system and the Harris County Commissioners and, and the county judge, Lena Hidalgo, now they're on the side of the criminal. I mean, that's just to me is upside down and, and, it, and it's frightening. I've been living in Houston for 21 years. I'm from Colombia. I came to this country in 1997, and I got to Laredo, Texas first in 1997. Then I got to Houston in 2000. And I remember that everybody was saying such as like, um, let's go only to the good areas. Let's go only to the restaurants in the good areas. That's such a good areas and bad areas is no longer happening in Houston and Harris right. County because now in the good areas and the most prestigious areas, areas in Houston that you go, for example, to the River Oak District, which is the expensive stores in town and expensive restaurants in town. And we're being on the news, seeing every single week people being following from those restaurants and getting robbed in their houses, getting motor in their houses. So there's no such a good areas anymore. And as you, as Irene was uh, pointed out, the police officer from New Orleans, he was sitting in the patio in one of the Galleria areas restaurants, and that happened. The shooting and and that's that's something that is scary. Is uh, and Irene, you were saying I'm no longer going out at night. It's like a it doesn't matter. This happened during the day. It's not during the morning, during the day. This uh, grandma that you were pointed out, she was going to the gym. It's like, you cannot be safe nowhere in Harris County. And and I say Harris County because two weeks ago, we did also a crime topic show. And we have here um, a former candidate for the district attorney. And she was mentioning several times a case about a woman trying to sell her daughter. And the oh reason that she wanted to commit that crime in Harris County is because she said here it's easier to get out of jail than in another county. Whoa. <laughs> That's terrible. Well, um, let's, let's, move, uh, let, let's move over a little bit to uh, 
ask the question because, you know, as all as in all things uh, in today's society, everything comes down to a political debate, right? Um, and so the left calls this gun violence, like like guns discharge on their own, right? They don't realize that somebody's behind the gun and pulling the trigger. And so, so you have the gun violence crowd, which includes the media in the United States, because every article you see and every time there's shootings, you know, they call it gun violence. And then you have those that are more conservative, those that read the Constitution and understand that we have a Second Amendment that guarantees, according to Supreme Court cases, the right of a citizen to bear, bear arms. And uh, so this is the debate. So the question is, can we have a society, Julian, uh, that 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 says it is a constitutional right to bear arms uh, and still protect the public? Well, that's a good question. Um, it's a complicated question. And you know what? Um, our gun laws have been loosened uh, recently, and uh, I don't know how, what your viewers think of that. Uh, the thing that comes to my mind is I want our officers to be safe as they do their job. And a lot of officers were not uh, supportive of, you know, the gun laws being loosened to the degree that, that they were. And, you know, that's, it's a good question. Are we safer when everybody's walking around carrying their own gun? Yeah, I don't know. I, I remember when uh, 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 the Texas passed the concealed carry uh, legislation uh, Former Senator Rodney Ellis, now a commissioner in Harris County, said there would be mayhem on the streets, that that crime would escalate. I mean, I remember his screaming in the floor of the Senate, and and the statistics don't bear that out. Uh, license license holders of con, of concealed license uh, guns in Texas are not violent criminals. They they as statistically proven that they don't they didn't you know, commit violent crimes as Senator Rodney Ellis said they would. Right. Well, the, the latest versions of our gun laws, and they change every two years right. uh, drastically in a lot of instances. I was just taking a look at this last night because as an attorney, I've got to stay up on uh, legal changes. <coughs> and September 1 is when most of them take effect. So the legislature has moved away from the license to carry and uh, now the law is going to be that, that the general rule is going to be that um, you don't need a license to carry in order to, uh, to have a gun. You just have to have it concealed, you know, if you're out in the public. Now, there are certain places where you're not allowed to go with, uh, with a gun, Orlando. Um, but for the most part, you know, um, you don't need that license. Now they call it constitutional carry. But part of constitutional carry, Julian, uh, so you cannot uh, open carry in Texas? Uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a concealed carry, or it has to be in a holster. So, so, so let okay. me make that point. Okay. Um, I, I could have it in my jacket. Uh, I could have it in a holster on my hip, right, if I didn't fall into certain limited categories. You know, there are certain people, uh, because of cr past criminal convictions, that, that are not entitled legally to, uh, to carry a weapon. And, and, and so, again, let's go back. The problem is not law-abiding citizens carrying firearms, which they are constitutionally allowed to and by state statute allowed to. It's the felons, it's the criminals that shouldn't be carrying the weapons. And so the, the question is, uh, given your prosecutorial experience, I mean, it, it, can the two live harmoniously together? In other words, can... Can law enforcement and the criminal justice system evaluate those charged with crimes? I mean, to me, it just seems if you're charged, as Irene said, with burglary of a motor vehicle and the police recover, let's say, two handguns because you, you were carrying two handguns coming back from the shooting range, uh, that you have a past criminal record, you were, you were stealing guns, that there ought to be some kind of a bail put on you that assures that you come back and at least that magistrate or that judge review your past criminal history. Is that prudent? Well, it, it absolutely, you know, and, and, and we need for our magistrates and judges to follow the laws. 
You know, the purpose of bail, and it's important to get back to this, the purpose of bail is not to punish anybody or just make sure they stay in jail until the case is disposed of. It's to ensure that the defendant comes back to court so that his case can be resolved in one way or another. All right. And so in setting that bail uh, at, at an amount that will ensure the defendant comes back, judges are supposed to consider the safety of the community, the safety of the victim, and now under the law, the safety of law enforcement. Do they do that? Well, as we've seen in too many instances, they don't. And, and, and let me ask you, because you say it's state law, how do these judges get to circumvent state law and say, oh, we're not going to impose a bond, we're just going to put them out on a PR bond? Well, you know, um, some will say, well, I've got wide discretion to do to do what I want to do. And, and really, if, if the law is not followed, what is the recourse? There's really not a recourse in court. Uh, the recourse is at the, the ballot. You know, every two or four years, you know, whenever the uh, the judges come up for for election. But the you know the problem there is it's really difficult for the public to find out how a judge is doing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. what are the metrics to determine whether a judge is doing a good job or not? You know, to a large extent, we have to rely on our local daily newspaper, right, or our, our local news stations mm -hmm. uh, that don't give a lot of coverage to the individual judges. You know, the Chronicle did a, a long piece on on bonds recently, and, um, you know, there's really no detail in there about which judges are the, the you know, the ones who are releasing the, the most folks on, on PR <laughs> bonds or yeah. setting the lowest bonds. So yeah. it's really hard for the public to evaluate our judges, unfortunately. Irene, are you you spend a lot of time in court. What are you seeing? I mean, are you seeing a wanton disregard for the law by these judges? They're just imposing their will and just letting the crime, you know, continue to rise in Harris County because they care more about the the perhaps the nationality, the ethnicity, the orientation of the of the defendant versus the public safety. I mean, what are you seeing in the courtroom? Well, as Mr. Ramirez was saying, um, there are those judges out there that are uh, looking at the situation the way it currently is, and then there are some that, that are not. Uh, I wouldn't say that they're trying to ignore it. I just I believe that they're just not addressing the crime as it should be addressed. Um, I'm seeing more recently that, and, and I believe that it's only because of the notoriety that that's out there now regarding crime, and it's, it's being covered much more so by the media than what it was before. Um, uh, we are seeing some, some bonds that are, that are being assessed um, that were not assessed before. So there is, a, there is a hint of a change right now. The hope is that um, there will be uh, the, proper, um, the proper punishment for the crime, but we'll see. You know, it reminds me, and I said this on our last criminal justice uh, program that we did, uh, Julian, and I don't know when you came to Houston. I've been in Houston since 1962, but in the 80s, Texas had a real problem with crime. Uh, it, it started because Texas didn't have enough prison capacity in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. So the relief valve was uh, that the parole division of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice was beginning to give extra credit to defendants. So in other words, if the judge assessed punishment or the jury imposed, let's say, a 10-year sentence, Rather than the defendant, now an inmate in TDCJ serving 10 years, they were giving five months credit for every year served. So instead of a 10-year sentence, people were getting out in five years. And we were releasing these violent criminals that didn't have the time to rehabilitate themselves through the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And the crime rate soared. 
And as a consequence, <clears throat> I remember news media did a fantastic job in Harris County, as I think they are now, to, to highlight this. And then, of course, Texas issued billions of dollars in bonds, began a prison building system, so we had more capacity uh, to house violent criminals, and the crime rate went down. But as a consequence, back in the 80s, the Democrats ran everything, and so the public retaliated <coughs> by sweeping out the Democrats and bringing in conservative judges, which we had until 2018. And so the Democrats now, again, I guess didn't learn the lesson, and now we see that they're doing willy-nilly what they want in the criminal justice mm -hmm. system, releasing people on personal recognizance bonds. The crime rate is spiking again, and so as Mr. Ramirez said, the only cure for that, I mean, there is a potential legislative cure, but I don't care how many laws you write if judges aren't going to impose the law, because, you know, they wear a black robe and they can do whatever they want, then the only cure is the election. And that's why we do this program, to bring you the facts, to bring you the behind the scenes. And as Julian said, not every voter understands what the, you know, 252nd nice. District Court does in, in the punishment. They don't even yeah. know who the judge is. And, and so this is why it's important that you folks under, under, understand the underlying reasons why there is a spike uh, in, in, in violent crimes in Harris County. Now, you know, the funny thing is, Andrea, that they'll go interview, let's say, the mayor, who really has nothing to do with crime other than, you know, uh, paying the police officers and picking a police chief, right? Because the city of Houston doesn't address the penal code. But... His excuse, uh, and, and along with the leadership in Harris County, says, oh, well, it's happening all over the country. Oh, great. You know, Chicago has 60 shootings in one day. Know. So, you know, Harris County, you should consider yourselves lucky we only had 15. Really? I mean, that is political yeah. leadership, and, and that's just unacceptable to me. And I'm going to go back We don't want to, to be like the rest of the country. No, of course not. And I want to um, go back to what you were saying, Orlando, because... Uh, in the Latin community, like when I came to this country, I was trying to understand the legal system. And I was start working as a reporter. And as a reporter, of course, I needed to understand, to report what it was happening. So then I became a U.S. citizen. So I was have the ability to vote. But it's really hard to understand when you're coming from our countries, understand that a judge, it's an elected official. And that the Harris County or any county judge is not a judge, is an administrator. So that is something that is a lack of education and information in our community because we're coming from Latin America, which is the legal system is completely different, trying to understand the system in this country and then vote with a really um, knowledgeable decision that what we are voting for and when it goes, I mean, we go and vote for presidential elections and we vote probably for um, a mayor and the city council members. But when the, when it comes to vote for the judge, we don't really vote. And, and uh, I'm going to exclude myself in that. But when I say we, but our community vote, don't vote really with conscience and education about what we're doing. And I think that's a big problem, especially that we're seeing that the Latino community is growing and is the faster growing community. And we are voting more and more uh, every election. So, um, I mean, um, Julian, you tell, Julian, mm -hmm. Julian, you tell me, you know, <laughs> you've been 30 years of experience as a lawyer and also a former as district attorney, uh, assistant district attorney. So, so you tell me, you know, in the old days as you started the program, talking about the old days and the new days. Yeah, you know, um, and, and this has always been a problem, Andrea, uh, education, information, uh, who do I vote for, mm -hmm. you know, how can I tell who's doing a good job and, and not doing a good job, and I think part of that falls on the media, uh, that does huh. not give the electorate, Correct. you know, the people who are going to select the judges enough information about what's going on. Yeah, but the media, I mean, I think Houston media, uh, the local stations, and particularly the local Fox News uh, station has done a marvelous job. Uh, uh, I think Randy Wallace is a veteran of covering yeah, violent yes. crimes in Harris County. He went back to the 80s, uh, along with Crime Stoppers in Harris County. Uh, but Randy Wallace, in particular, 
has done a fabulous job. That piece we just ran from KHOU, uh, the local techno station, uh, you know, they're they're doing a good job. But the, the the bigger media, the national media, the MSNBCs, the the CNNs, you know, the ABCs, were they call it gun violence? They they because they ha it's an agenda driven. They they can't they don't fathom that people in South Dakota and in Texas and Montana, you know, have want their constitutional right to carry their firearms are so set against firearms uh, that they just call it gun violence and and they don't address the real issues which is what we're trying to do today the reason we have a spike in crime recently in Harris County is because of public policy decisions made by politicians and elected officials which includes judges that are have shifted the, the, the playing field in favor of the defendant, those accused of, of crimes. And, and you see that. It's, it's part of it. I mean, it's not the whole reason, but it's part of it. And so I guess that leads me to the question, uh, Julian. How, what would you tell the public? How do you become better educated when it comes to elections and particularly the down portion of the ballot, which is the judges? Well, what you you do is you try to find sources of reliable information. Um, over the years, every election time, I get a number of uh, emails and texts from people, hey, can you help me out on which judges to vote for, you know, who to vote for in a given election. And so I, I actually devote a fair amount of time trying to figure out, okay, what do these people stand for? How are they doing? And give the best information that I can. You can't depend, unfortunately, too much on the media. You know, the Chronicle's going to do their their endorsements, but uh, it's going to be skewed in favor of the, the people who are going to carry out their agenda, right? Um, the League of uh, Women, Women Voters puts out a voter's guide, which is, is helpful, right? But beyond that, it's, it's really tough. Um, the Houston Bar Association does uh, put out what's called a bar poll where the lawyers throughout the city, all the members of the HBA, will um, rate the judges. How are they doing? You know, are they doing a good job, not so good job, et cetera? Are they recommended or, or not? You know, so that's another uh, helpful source of information. But how do you get that information to the community? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's available uh, it is. over there, but then, I mean, I mean, probably somebody like you, that you're a lawyer, that you've been in, in the district attorney, and, and maybe us, that we are always involved in the community, and uh, 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 me as a reporter, and Orlando as a politician, we know where to get that information. But the regular people, they're just the regular voters, that they're not lawyers, that they're not politicians, that they're not reporters, how do they know how to access to that information? And I think that is the big gap that it's been, um, you know, that, that, that exists. Well, right? I, I, let me, I can answer that. Mm -hmm. Tune in to TLC Live every Wednesday <laughs> here. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, we'll bring you resources that, uh, that uh, no one else will. But, uh, right. No, that's, that's, a, that's a big problem, Andrea. I mean, uh, seriously, uh, most people don't have the time to go hunting and researching every one of the or they don't know where 40, to go. 40 races that mm -hmm. are on the ballot, you know. So what are they going to do? Yep. Uh, Back in the straight ticket days, which wasn't that long ago, you know, they just press R or press D. When mm -hmm. really, uh, each of these races should be judged on on the individual candidates. Yeah, Irene, what do you think the uh, bail bond industry, uh, the professional bail bondsmen of Texas and Harris County, uh, what do you tell the public? How do you tell them? Look, there's an election coming up, and you know. Uh, do you guys do recommendations? Do you do endorsements? Do you inform the public on no. statistics? I mean, uh, obviously your industry has a role to play in this debacle. Well, we make, we make a list of candidates and again, you know, everybody has choice and it's always better to make an informed decision than, than to make a non-informed decision. Uh, but we, we make a list and we, uh, of the judges and um, the other people involved in, in the election. And, uh, and then, you know, everybody has to decide 
everybody knows right from wrong. Everybody has to decide what direction they're going to go in. Okay. And if I could, Irene, uh, you bring up a, a good point, and you remind me that uh, law enforcement organizations, uh, the police unions, uh, and other law enforcement organizations will put out uh, lists come election time. So I think those those uh, should be consulted as well. Yeah, I think both uh, the, um, you know, having gone through this process, Julian, for many years, because as you know, I've probably been on the ballot more times than I want to admit to, uh, but HPOU, with regard to, for example, that's the Union of Police Officers, the Houston Professional Officers uh, Union, um, they will endorse, uh, and I think, you know, with respect to county races and particularly uh, judicial races, I think it's good to look at the list of recommendations by HPOU. Now, remember, being a union, uh, with respect to municipal races, which, again, the city of Houston doesn't have much to do with the criminal justice code or the penal code, uh, they're more interested in benefits to the union, right? So, but the uh, same thing with the Harris County uh, Sheriff's Association. Um, and, uh, you know, there used to be Maso Mexican American uh, Sheriff's Association. And, you know, so there are a lot of associations that, that do uh, screen candidates and endorse them. And you can, it, it, what I tell people, it's best not to rely on one source. Uh, it's it's best to look at you know the Harris County Democrats, the Republican Party of Harris County, uh, the HPOU, uh, the Harris County Sheriff's Association. Uh, there's a multiplicity of endorsements, and so what I recommend people to do is, like Julian said, go to the League of Women Voters and pick up their little newspaper, which they have all the candidates listed, and then take the time to go to the police officers union or to the C club or to the Mexican-American Democrats, whatever you want, you know, the bar poll, and make notes. You know, I found out that Judge Jones has been endorsed by six organizations. Well, you know, that makes a difference because the six organizations like Judge Jones and Judge Jones' opponent is Judge Carter. Judge Carter doesn't have any endorsements. Well, that ought to help you, even though you're not a professional. But at least that's what I tend to do. I, as as Julian said, I gather all this information, and and I take 20, 30 minutes of my day a week before I vote to sort of analyze these candidates. And I guess that's the recommendation I would give the public. That is uh, in an ideal world. Yes. But how many people really gonna do that? That's that's my just they can tune into TLC. Live yeah, I think that's that's <laughs> that, that's easier than people love to watch videos these days, and that's uh, really we are really a good resource. And also our webpage, texaslatinoconservatives.com, texaslatinoconservatives.com, we're constantly putting out their links and information uh, in English and Spanish. We need to start doing better in Spanish, putting more things in Spanish because... Claro que sí. Claro que sí. <laughs> Julian, ¿tú qué crees? Sí, I agree. Sí. Don't, don't put him on the spot. Es cierto. Es cierto, míralo. So, yeah, definitely um, um, we're becoming a really good source for our community. We have links, we have information, we have uh, videos, and we keep working on getting better on that because definitely uh, when it comes to our Latino community, and as I mentioned it earlier, it's hard to understand the legal system. It's hard to understand many things that is... In, in this country, and, and, you know, it's many resources, but it will be easier for the people uh, to take the time if they have everything in one place. Yeah, and uh, so having said all that, we're about out of time, but I want to thank Irene Villarreal of Three Amigos Bonding, uh, who's been in the industry for a long, long time. Um, I, I, you know, full disclosure, I've known Irene for many years because as the county treasurer in Harris County, we have what's called a county bail bond board and we met every month for you know at least when i was there 12 years and i'm sure they still do and we were a, a bail bond county meaning that we also had regulation over the bail bond industry and i got to tell you that the bail bondsmen in harris county were excellent that's just my opinion they were excellent uh, they followed the law they ensured the defendants uh, came to trial uh, they risked their capital, their reputation, 
their sureties uh, were, you know, screened them. And, uh, and so the bail bond system in Harris County was working well. Were there problems? Yes. To the extent that the federal judge found that uh, uh, some folks uh, were lingering in the Harris County Jail that didn't have access to money or didn't have any resources and did not get a hearing, well, sure, that, that sounds unconstitutional to me, too, in violation of due process. But again, let me remind you that the bail bond system in Texas and Harris County was not declared unconstitutional. What exacerbated the crime situation in Harris County were public policy decisions by the Commissioner's Court of Harris County and some judges that are, as Julian Ramirez says, off on their own not following the law. And as Julian said, the remedy to that is the next election. So we need to pay attention to that. And I also want to thank Julian Ramirez because, you know, a lot of folks don't know, he's not a former prosecutor, although he's not officially employed at Harris County, right, at the That's district right. attorney's That's office. Right. But you are still prosecuting uh, cases. I still have uh, several serious cases that I'm prosecuting. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, as Andrea says, we bring you good resources, and the fact that we have an hour to spend with you, uh, we'll bring you people that have been in the industry for three decades, four decades. You know, I knew this young man when he had dark hair. We and go he back knew, a long way. And you knew me when I had <laughs> That's hair. That's right. And we all had That's right. So, so thank you for tuning in. Irene, thank you. Julian, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will keep you updated. Thank you. On, You're welcome. Uh, You're welcome. On the, uh, on the criminal justice system in Harris County uh, and in the state of Texas. Probably in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about the movement of House Bill 20 through the Texas legislature. Uh, but for now, uh, remember, if you want additional information, go to TexasLatinoConservatives.com. And Andrea, I'm going to toss it back to you to bid everyone a farewell. Muchas gracias, Orlando. Muchas gracias, Julián. Muchas gracias, Irene. Gracias por habernos acompañado. Y gracias de a ustedes nada, por estar siempre nada. con nosotros todos los miércoles aquí en TLC Live. Nos vemos el próximo miércoles. Chao, chao. See you guys next Wednesday and TLC Live. Adiós.